Morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Thursday, October 13th. The United States Navy can trace its origins to this date in 1775. That's when the Continental Congress ordered the construction of a naval fleet. So happy 247th anniversary to the U.S. Navy. On this date in 1792, the cornerstone of the executive mansion, which would later be known as the White House, was laid by President George Washington during a ceremony in the nation's capital. And on this date in 2016, Bob Dylan won the Nobel Prize in Literature. Now let's check in on your Thursday forecast over at the Live 5 First Alert Weather Center. All right, good morning to you. Showers and storms overnight and still the chance of a couple of showers today in advance of a cold front that comes through late this afternoon and into this evening. We'll see a mostly cloudy sky, although times of sunshine mixed in there today. 75 at noon will be in the upper 70s and low 80s this afternoon. Carry the umbrellas just in case, but once again, bulk of the rainfall moved through while we were sleeping. Tomorrow we'll see temperatures cool down just a little bit, but all all sunshine will start out in the 50s tomorrow morning, Saturday, Sunday mornings as well. Highs in the upper 70s to around 80 degrees. A bigger cool down on the way next week. Cold front moves through late Monday. Highs only in the low 60s with morning lows in the 40s by the middle of next week. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast from the Low Country's news leader, Live 5 News. Morning Y'all is sponsored by MUSC Health. Join a team that's changing what's possible. MUSC Health is hiring for all locations and various positions, including radiology, path and lab, maintenance, and a number of other professions. Find out more about the competitive pay rates and benefits or review a more comprehensive list of current openings at muschealth.org careers. MUSC Health, changing what's possible. And here are your news headlines to get you caught up. Charleston County deputies say a standoff that began Tuesday night at a Ravenel home has ended with a man in custody. Michael Sean Sweeney was taken into custody and booked on charges of domestic violence of a high and aggravated nature, first degree assault and battery, and four counts of pointing and presenting a firearm. The sheriff's office says deputies took Sweeney, who had barricaded himself inside of a home on Farmhouse Road. They took him into custody around 8.45 last night. That's a full 24 hours after they first responded to the neighborhood. Authorities say SWAT team members went into the house, found Sweeney, and arrested him. According to the jail website, Sweeney was booked on other domestic violence charges back in June. The Williamsburg County Sheriff's Office has made a second arrest in connection with a deadly shooting on Manning Highway. Quincy Montgomery turned himself in yesterday on multiple charges, including murder, four counts of attempted murder, and discharging a firearm into an occupied vehicle. According to the Sheriff's Office, deputies responded to Manning Highway near Mary Road in the Salters area on September 17th for a shooting. Investigators say the victims were driving on Manning Highway when another vehicle going in the same direction passed them and started shooting. Deputies say they found several shooting victims inside the vehicle. One of those victims died at the scene. That investigation is ongoing. The Dorchester County Sheriff's Office says the body of a woman reported missing over the weekend has been found. According to the Sheriff's Office, 25-year-old Octavia Wolf of St. George was found dead in a pond off Cockadoo Farm Road. Helicopters, drones, and multiple agencies were all involved in the search for her. Officials say an autopsy will take place at MUSC. 
The Dorchester County Sheriff's Office and the Coroner's Office are both investigating. The City of Charleston will soon make weekend parking rules along King Street permanent. Those rules mean you can't park on King Street between Spring and Calhoun on Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights. But the move has gotten some mixed reviews. Anna Harris spoke with businesses along King Street to see what they have to say. I spoke to probably 10 or so businesses and about half of them said that they liked the idea. However, the other half says that they fear that their staff will struggle to find the last few parking spots left downtown. For over a year now, Charleston Police Department has banned parking along King Street during the prime going out hours. They say the goal is to keep pedestrians safe and out of the way of drivers. The city of Charleston has now decided to keep these operations permanent. The rules will prohibit street parking on King Street on both sides of the road between Spring and Calhoun Streets from 6 p.m. to 3 a.m. on Thursdays, Fridays and Saturdays. There will be a large police presence with one side of the road blocked, similar to what it's been like since early 2021. Some of the businesses I spoke with say they were happy that law enforcement is continuing to monitor the streets. However, some say parking is a concern. Staff again, they're gonna, they're, they'll probably have more of a reaction out, out than the normal customer, just because parking is hard to find anyway. So um, I don't think they'll be very happy with it. But if it's best and makes our, our you know, King Street a little bit more safer, then I, at the end of the day, I, I don't think they'll have a problem with it. People can expect to see new parking signs installed this upcoming Monday, October 17th. The city of Charleston says those that park during these hours could receive a ticket or be towed once all of these signs are installed. In downtown Charleston, Anna Harris, Live 5 News. The city of Charleston is now having discounted parking at the Visitor Center parking garage. It offers a $7 rate after 3 p.m. and a $5 rate after 5 p.m. The South Carolina Ports Authority wants your input on the future of the Union Pier in downtown Charleston. Today, they're inviting the public to share their thoughts at a community engagement event. Molly McBride joins us live now from the pier. So, Molly, can you tell us more about what they're hoping to gather from these meetings? Yeah, I spoke to the CEO and president of South Carolina Ports Authority, Barbara Melvin, who says she would like to return waterfront access to the community, provide a beautiful outdoor space, and aid some of the long-term problems that have been going on in this neighborhood, like parking and flooding. Earlier this year, South Carolina Ports Authority announced they would not extend the Piers Homeport contract for Carnival Clute for Carnival Cruise Line beyond 2024, meaning that at that point, Charleston would no longer be a home port for the cruise line. Through community collaboration, SC Port says the site, which is located on Washington Street, will be entitled, sold, and developed into a space that will benefit residents. Only through a collaborative collaborative process that takes into account their citizens opinions will they get a transformational project for the city of Charleston. We're doing everything we can to encourage people's input and I think it's really critical that um, everyone believes that their opinion matters. Melvin says they intend to develop the property into a mixed-use neighborhood that blends seamlessly with downtown Charleston. Some options she mentioned were single, family and workforce housing, retail and office space, waterfront access, and open space for a park. 
One thing Melvin emphasized was the importance of creating a healthy community environment and providing people the opportunity to live where they work. Now, today's meeting is from 3 to 7 at Sanders Clyde Elementary School on Morrison Drive. For more meeting details, visit live5news.com and click on the story. Reporting live in downtown Charleston, Molly McBride, Live 5 News. Figuring out how to make South Carolina better for its children. That's a top priority, top concern for many parents, educators, and leaders across the state. The Joint Citizens and Legislative Committee on Children, better known as the Children's Committee, wrapped up its annual fall hearing tour Tuesday. South Carolinians say some of the biggest issues facing children include homelessness, gun violence, and overall safety. Others are concerned with supporting LGBTQ plus youth, protecting children who are abuse victims, and improving outcomes at school. Lawmakers say they're already working on new bills for next year based on what they've heard recently. Healthy meals at schools, you know, being able to furnish breakfast and lunch for all the students. And that is legislation I'm going to introduce this year. New laws that have come out of this committee in the past include paid parental leave for state employees and expansion of foster care and kinship care. What they cannot address with legislation might be able to be fixed within state agencies. Five Charleston County principals say they're planning to use ESSER 3 funds to bring their downtown schools together and support students outside of the classroom is working. The District 20 Principal Collaboration Program brings together principals of downtown Charleston schools to collaborate on programs and opportunities for their students. Principals say the group works to engage families, provide mental and physical health care, and create access to youth-centered activities as a few ways to empower students throughout their entire day. Programs from the ESSER 3 funding include family coaches for helping at home, offering after-school community swim lessons, and visits to local art exhibits. Plans to build a new all-abilities recreation complex in Goose Creek are moving forward thanks to generous donations. Mayor Greg Habib says they've been overwhelmed by the response to help fund the $9 million 13-acre Central Creek Park. According to the city, private donations to Central Creek Park exceed $1.3 million. Mayor Habib says the giving level speaks volumes about the community's commitment to inclusivity. The park, just around the corner from Westview Elementary, is tentatively set to open on December 16th. Looking ahead, the John L. Dart Library will be closing temporarily for renovations. Those renovations are part of an ongoing referendum-funded project that was passed back in 2014 to build new libraries and update existing branches. According to the Charleston County Public Library System, the downtown library will get an upgrade to its interior. Renovations are expected to take several months to complete. The library on King Street in downtown Charleston will close its doors Saturday at 5 p.m. Today, local community partners are hosting their first charity golf tournament to support veterans and first responders who've been seriously injured in the line of duty. Officials say their goal is to honor local heroes and raise funds to support their growing initiatives. Our Lauren Quinlan joins us live now. So, Lauren, how do these organizations support those whose lives have been changed because of their injuries? 
Katie, I spoke with those who are throwing today's event, and they say overall they want to help those who have been seriously injured feel a sense of normalcy and connection to a community with a shared experience. One Nation Foundation is a nonprofit that serves veterans and first responders and their families through acts of service and financial assistance. In partnership with a veteran-owned coffee company, One Nation Coffee, proceeds from their products are given back to the foundation and the local community. Michelle Richards, president of One Nation Foundation, says their goal is to serve where there is a need. We have done a lot through our foundation to um, raise money for individuals, uh, Navy Special Operations, with brain cancer. We have done a lot to support um, the HERO program. We provided financial assistance to their program to help adaptive golf therapy and education for families of fallen soldiers. Rich O'Brien, director of the HERO program and the Lowcountry chapter of Stand Up and Play, is an emergency responder who was revived three times in the line of duty after being critically injured. He and his co-founder, Josh Swindle, created Stand Up and Play, which is a nonprofit that assists veterans and emergency responders with mobility challenges. With the help of a paramobile wheelchair, those who may be partially paralyzed or amputees, for example, can stand and participate in activities like golf with a community of people with a shared experience. You know, we got individuals with similar challenges mentoring others that, that are in that. It, it's the greatest support group you'd ever imagine. At today's event, people like O'Brien will be honoring the hero that saved his life while looking for additional community partners and donations to further the work of their organizations. The kickoff event starts at 1 p.m. at the Somerville Country Club. And if you're interested in learning more or donating to any of those organizations, just click on this story on Live5News.com. Reporting live in Somerville, Lauren Quinlan, Live5 News. Celebrating birthdays this Thursday, singer and musician Paul Simon is 81. Singer TV personality Marie Osmond is 63. Thanks for listening to Morning, y'all. Produced every weekday morning and sponsored by MUSC Health. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or listen anytime at live5news.com slash podcasts. And download the free Live 5 News app for your mobile device for the latest local news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader. College and pro football Hall of Famer Jerry Rice is 60. Olympic silver medal figure skater Nancy Kerrigan is 53. TV host Billy Bush is 51. Actor Sasha Baron Cohen is also 51. And Olympic gold medal swimmer Ian Thorpe is 40. Thanks so much for joining us for Morning Y'all. From Live 5 News, I'm Katie Kamen. I'll talk to you tomorrow.